Good morning, everybody. Good morning. Welcome to Parent University. My name is Jeff Summers, and I am the pastor of student families here at Perimeter. Um, so our Parent University, if you've just kind of wandered in here, this is uh, just a time for us to get together and get to know each other, commiserate in our parenting, and also hopefully a time of equipping so we can discuss several things. So this is the last week of a four-week series on communication. So how do you communicate with your teen? And we started four weeks ago uh, at, on a Sunday night, and we talked that night mostly about, um, we kind of went through and dissected a, a, a scene from, from a movie and talked about how that communication went and how empathy can be a really huge piece in communicating with teenagers specifically. But So how are we empathizing with them? Uh, then the next week we talked about really how do you develop that atmosphere for communication to really happen. So that was the second week. And then last week we talked about respect and respect being a two-way street. The fact that uh, we want respect from our kids, but at the same time, we have to give respect. So we talked about that last week. And so today we're kind of going to apply all of that, hopefully through uh, an illustration that will be helpful for you. It's kind of the way that, that I've thought quite a bit about any relationship, really. You, you use this idea, and it's helpful to, in communication especially. And so what I'm talking about is a, a love bank or a relationship bank, like a vault, okay? So if you think about it like a balance sheet, really, with everyone that you and I are in relationship with, we have uh, deposits and withdrawals that we have in that relationship. So what are deposits in a relationship that you have with somebody, um, what does that look like? So how do you make a deposit in the life of your child relationally? You guys can answer me, too, if you want to. Is there a way that you make deposits? What do you do? Tell them what? Tell them you love them. Tell them you love them. Okay, that's one way that you can make a deposit. Sure. Spend time with them, quality time with them. Okay. Oreos. Oreos, you really never go wrong uh, with that. Uh, you know, really, a lot of this, you can, you can apply some of that, the, the book that was written about the different love languages, right? That there's different ways people like to receive love and ways that we like to give love. And each time we do that, we are making a deposit, okay? It can be that family camping trip, game night. It can be Christmas morning. I mean, these are all ways that, that we make deposits with each other. But basically, it's time that we're investing, we're interested in them, we're caring, and we're loving them. Those are deposits that we're making. Now, what's a withdrawal? What are ways that we make withdrawals with our kids? Saying no. Yeah. I mean, it's a, if it's something they really want to do, or, or, and, we, and we say no, we have to be the bad guy, right? And that, then that can be a withdrawal. Um, what else? Sure. So criticizing, correcting. Uh, those are parts, normal parts of parenting, but we can get in this, we can get in a phase with maybe one child in particular, uh, where it seems like we're doing that all the time. Right. And, and it can just be withdrawal, withdrawal, withdrawal. Um, any negative interaction is basically a withdrawal. So 
when our kids perceive us as being unreasonable, overbearing, nosy, harsh, these are things that uh, are withdrawals that we're making out of that love bank. So it's helpful to think about it in these terms uh, because it does give us more of the long game as we're interacting with kids instead of just being in the moment. It's helpful to start thinking, hey, what, what have I got in the, in the bank uh, for this discussion that's getting ready to happen? Okay, um, and it's helpful here to go to step aside and think about the Greek in terms of love. Okay, so we're going to talk about that for a second. Greek is very exact, and they have actually like four or five words for love, whereas in English we only have one, and it's very uh, inconvenient for us. We love pizza. I love my wife. I love Tennessee football. You know, I might say all of those things, and they're all very different. Well, Greek will separate those things out into different types of love. So. Phileo is this term that is in scripture in the Greek, and it is a brotherly love. We have Philadelphia comes from phileo, and it's a, a reciprocal love. And if you think about it, almost all of our relationships involve reciprocal love, reciprocal uh, situations. So think about it. You become friends with somebody. How does that happen? You start investing in them relationally. You spend time with them. They spend time with you. You call them and you care about their life. They care about you. Each of these are deposits that are being made. And so you are in a relationship with just a friendship. Now, when those deposits quit coming, let's say you continue to invest in this person and they don't ever invest back, though, what happens to that relationship? It's not going to last, right? You're, we are, relationships are a two-way street. We're, we're making deposits, they're making deposits. It's very difficult to maintain a relationship if you're the one making all the deposits and they never make any deposits back, right? So when you have negative interactions, you have withdrawals. But, that, but that's why you don't have the same friends that we had in junior high, right? A lot of us had, I can remember this so clearly, having great friends, best friends, we move up into high school, and now they're no longer in my class schedule, or I just I hang with a different crowd, and it's because I quit making investments in those people. They quit making investments in me. We all do this uh, just naturally, right? We don't think about it in terms of this, but we do it naturally. Some of you have friends that go all the way back to college, or I've got friends from the Air Force that I knew 30 years ago that I've reconnected with recently, and there we're kind of banking on deposits that were made 30 years ago. Like I haven't seen them much at all, but they made so many deposits at a pivotal time in my life that we have a, a big bank to, to draw on, right? So this can be helpful in these, in these ways. But now when you move this to talking about your teenager, it can look really different uh, depending on what's going on. Sometimes there's no funds available, right? We have funds in the bank, but for whatever reason, there's... The, there's no longer, there's a hold on our account, okay? And I said this last week that we have sat by their bedside, you know, when they're sick, we have done all these things for them as they were little, but when they're teenagers, they are so uh, inward focused and so self-centered at times that those funds are not available. Even though we have stuff, funds in the bank that we've deposited over the years, at times it seems like there's nothing there because they can't see anything. They're completely self-centered, and so we just don't have access to it. Um, if we get into that situation where we're only managing our kids, okay, and this is a huge, this happens to all of us. I do this, all of us do this, where we just manage their schedules. Hey, what's, uh, what's going on today? Have you got your homework done? Have you eaten? You know, that's kind of a big one. Uh, who, who's picking you up from practice? 
uh, well, I'm going to take you here. I mean, we just become logistics managers of our kids' schedules. And there's, but see, so we can be doing that and thinking, well, I'm talking to my child. And really, we're not making any deposits if we're just, and, and they also, this is harsh, but they see that as our job. We feel like we're making deposits because we're taking them places and picking them up and doing all this. That to them is just what we do. That's our job. We are like, oh, you know what? I'm actually doing this for you. No, I don't think we get a lot of credit for that. Um, so, you know, if we're only managing their schedules, if we're only managing the logistics of life, we're not making deposits. Okay? But it can be super easy at this life stage to just get into management mode. And so these aren't real deposits. Um, so then we can get to a situation where the balance is negative and we're overdrawn. Okay? If it's just negative, 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 right, all the time, then that, that bank that we have starts to go down, down, down. And then we don't have any money in that relational bank anymore. In that account, the account with my daughter or the account with my son, suddenly it's empty and I'm overdrawn. Um, and we know that we're like this uh, if they shut us out, right? If, it, if in any interaction they just answer with one word, if they just do the minimum of life, right? One word answer, uh, they're just not engaging, they'll be on their phone as much as possible, they'll go to their room right away when it's just, then we don't have any funds in there. Um, it's a, that's, a, that's a rough situation. Um, and we have to remember too, the bank goes in both directions, right? If this is the kind of love that we're operating on, our love bank can be pretty empty with our kids, right? They might not have any funds with us. If they can't do anything right all the time, and that's what you think whenever you interact with them, then they're out of funds in your love bank, okay, in your account. And so we need to just think about that. That's, so it goes both ways. Sometimes, you know, they're overdrawn with us. Um, so I want us, now that we've kind of given you that, let's go to some discussion questions. We're going to throw some up there and uh, spend a little time around your tables. If you're in the back, if you want to jump on one of these tables... Uh, so we're going we're gonna to discuss these questions for just a few minutes, and then I'll come back up and finish the teaching. So what are the kinds of things that make deposits into your relationship bank, and what makes deposits into your kid's account? What makes withdrawals in your account and in your kids? And then what's your current balance? Uh, so spend some time around your tables talking about this, and I'll come up in a little bit. All right. So I'm sure everybody's... Uh, Everybody's love bank is nice and full after that conversation. Maybe you've realized that some things uh, about yourself and the way that you receive love or the way that uh, those deposits work for you. Um, So we realize that if our love bank is empty, right, we, we can emotionally respond, right? We don't do well when our love bank's empty and we're trying to interact with, with our kids. I do want to say as a disclaimer as well, I did not make, I don't know where this whole concept came from. I did not make up the love bank. I don't know if I read it in a book. You may know. There you go. It's from the five love languages. Okay. I knew I came across it somewhere, but uh, I did not make it up. So I didn't want you to think that that I, I don't want to take credit for this. I have no idea where it came from, but I, but I have used it over the years. So 
as a, as a Christian parent, here's the thing. If, if we get to the point where our kids can't do anything right in our eyes, which we can easily get there, then how do we overcome that? And that's the, the beauty is, as a Christian, we have a secret weapon, right? We have another kind of love that is described in the Bible called agape love. And agape love is a different word in Greek that is used to describe the way that God loves us. And it's an unconditional love, right? It's an, a love that is an action that he uh, promises to us. And so as we are connected through the power of the Holy Spirit, it's like he's writing checks and making deposits into our account so that we cannot get anything in our account from our child. And we can overcome that and love them through the power of the Holy Spirit when we don't feel like it, when we don't want to. When their account is empty, God should be filling our account. And really this works, again, for all relationships, right? You can... Do that now. We have to appropriate the power of the Holy Spirit. It's interesting that that God offers this to us, and sometimes we're we're not accessing the funds. You know, the funds are there, unlimited funds for us in our account, so that we can love unconditionally uh, others that are unlovely, right? Because let's face it, our kids at certain times they're very unlovely. Unlovely. We're very unlovely at times, right? And yet we want someone to love us. Uh, even when we're not. That's the gospel, right? So, so there are times when we have to rely on this through the power of the Holy Spirit, and, and we're going to have to do that regularly. So Luke 6 says this about, about this kind of love, and this is why God can command us to love. He says, But I say to you who hear, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who abuse you. Okay, now think about that. That could describe parenting a teen, right? Just that first sentence, right? Sometimes our kids in our own house are our enemy, right? It can get that bad. It certainly can. Uh, do good to those who hate you. Has your child ever said, I hate you? They have sometimes, you know, it gets that way. Uh, bless those who curse you. Pray for those who abuse you, Okay. To the one who strikes you on the cheek, offer the other also. From the one who takes away your cloak, do not withhold your tunic. Give to everyone who begs from you. And from the one who takes away your goods, do not demand them back. And as you wish that others would do to you, do so to them. So we've got the golden rule in there. We talked about that when we talked about empathy. If you love those who love you, what benefit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who do good to you, what benefit is that to you? For even sinners do the same. And if you lend to those from whom you expect to receive, what credit is that to you? And that's the thing. We do expect to receive, don't we? Uh, we give a lot, and we expect that to be reciprocated. Um, but love your enemies, do good, and lend, expecting nothing in return. And your reward will be great, and you will be sons of the Most High, for He is kind to the ungrateful and the evil. Be merciful even as your father is merciful. So, now, I want to be clear. It's hard because you're not supposed to be your kid's doormat. I'm not saying, hey, just lay down and love them all the time. I mean, sometimes love, we say really hard things, right? That is love. So we, we are supposed to discipline them. We are supposed to, to do these things. So I'm not at all saying that. Another analogy that can be good in thinking about this, especially when you want to have to do a confrontation or something, is think about it in terms of a poker game and the chips that you have. It's the same concept, right? How many chips do I have? How many am I willing to, to, to put up at, 
if, if we're going to have this conversation because you might lose them, right? You're gonna, if you're going to make a certain withdrawal, you might lose those chips. That's why in student ministry, it's really hard when someone brings us their child that we don't have a relationship with and they're like, hey, fix my kid. You know, now we're, it's really bad at home. We don't know what to do. I'm going to make them meet with you. Well, I have no capital with that student, right? I have not, I don't know them. I haven't invested. So I have nothing. I have no chips to push across the table. And it's very hard for us in that kind of situation to jump in where we don't have relationship. So uh, these things take time and, and we have to do that. So what are some practical things? So we've talked about this. This is good for us to think about in these terms too, because you're thinking about the long game instead of what is going on right now. Because again, I can, especially there's a tension that forms with dads when your children are like juniors and seniors. Uh, I don't know if it's the same with moms, but I've seen this with dads. I've felt it myself where they're about to move out of the house and I've got the last few things that I've got to teach them. And and there's like this tension that builds where we can just be negative all the time because you're not doing this. And we don't see, we don't ever talk about what they're doing right, right? We talk about the things that they still aren't, haven't figured out yet. And so it's so easy to get into this mode. So so some of the practical things that can help us uh, to keep us from making unintended withdrawals, okay? That's, these, these will be helpful in, in these terms. So one of these that I've really learned, especially with my oldest, is timing, okay? Timing can be a really big deal when it comes to not making an unintended withdrawal. So Tirza, I learned this uh, when she was a freshman, and she was in drama, and every time it would come up to a play... Uh, the two or three days that the play was happening and the last week, her stress level would just go through the roof. I mean, she loved doing it, but her stress level would go through the roof. And that, we just kind of learned, hey, this is not the time to talk to her about chores not being done. Because that is a source in our home of a lot of arguing and stuff that can take place, withdrawals. We'd say, you know what? She's just not going to, I'm not even going to ask her to do the kitchen this week. I'm not going to ask. There's certain things where just like, right now is just not the time. And it's amazing when you become aware of the timing issue, you can take the temperature in the room of where they're at emotionally and what's going on and decide to wait on that conversation, you know? And it can, it can, that same conversation can be received really well at a different time uh, than it is right then. So we need, to, we need to ask that question, where are they at, right, before I have this conversation? Where are they at emotionally and what's going on? We can also say, where am I at? <laughs> there are times... If I'm in a bad mood, I should not have a, one of those conversations with my kids because I will lose it. If, I, you know, if I'm hormonal or emotional or whatever's going on and I've had a bad day at the office, you know, I can come home and just be like, you know, and everybody can tell, watch out for dad because he's just in a mood, you know, and I'm going to chew their face off. And I need to be self-aware and say, hey, maybe there's a time when I don't need to do that. We all... In this life stage, we are exhausted, and we have chaotic schedules, and our kids have chaotic schedules. That doesn't help, right? That doesn't help in this situation. Um, And then there's this inconvenient time for connection. They want to connect at the most inconvenient time for us. I mean, that is what happens. I mean, just the other night, Cammie and I were talking. I hadn't seen her all day, and she was in bed looking at the iPad, finishing a, a show, and I went up to talk to her, and as soon as I sat down, 
one of my kids comes up the stairs and jumps on the bed and is like, ready to engage. Woo, you know, and I'm like, I just want five minutes with your mom because this is the first time I've seen her all day. And so we talk to her for a minute and then she leaves. And I'm not, I'm not even kidding you. 30 seconds later, a different kid came through the door and jumped on the bed. And I was like, okay, you know. And so they want to have those deep conversations when we're exhausted at 1130 at night. And that's when they want to do it. And, or it, it's just going to happen at an inconvenient time. And so that is just a part of it. Um, choosing our battles, you know, what, when, you know, is this something that I want to make a big deal out of? And so it's a good question because you are going to have to make withdrawals in our parenting. But what are the hills that we want to die on? Okay, when we are having these conversations, what are the things that we want that we want to die on? Because a lot of us, if you think about responsibility versus morality, see, in in my house, a whole lot of our conversations, especially a lot of the withdrawals, can come out of childish irresponsibility. We're talking about chores. We're talking about don't leave that towel on the floor. We're talking about where you know different things with laundry and you know, doing the dishes and stuff like that. And that is not, those aren't moral issues, okay? But we can, we can waste all of our capital on those kinds of things, and then when a moral issue does come up, we don't have anything in the account. Does that make sense? So we need to think about how we're spending that capital that we have. Are we spending it in a way that then when we're talking about, you know, are we talking about character or achievement? Are we talking about morality or responsibility? You know, what are we spending that capital on as we get into these conversations? And so, you know, how do we... So the things that you major on all the time and the things that, uh, that are the hills that you die on all the time, just think that through. You know, how is this, is this the right time to have this discussion? Am I really getting upset about something that's an issue of character or is it an issue of, you know, responsibility? Those are important questions to ask. So I'm going to let Cammie come up and, um, and share with you guys and uh, she'll close us out as well. Okay. Oh, this sounds so easy. When I listen to Jeff teach, I'm always like, oh, I want to do that. I want to do it right. I want to deposit and not withdraw and all that stuff, but it's hard, isn't it? I mean, I, I remember when the summer that Tears and I really were struggling. I just knocked this over or something. Oh, there you go. Um, we were really struggling, and it was withdrawal on both sides. I will tell you that I could not look at Tirza and see anything I liked. That's terrible to say as a mother. I was so mad at her just in general. And I did sit down and try to start a list of all the things I liked about her because I was so focused in on the things that drove me crazy. And so we were both in a state of withdrawal and, um, and I knew I was the mom, so I needed to do something about it. Right. So I got a group on and we went to a painting class and I was expecting to have this deposit in both of our love banks. We'd have this experience, right? And it wasn't that. It wasn't that at all. And I got back in the car, and I was so frustrated with her and this experience that I was trying. I was banking on this giving us some deposit, right? And I get in the car, and I go, it's just like you don't like me. And she was like, yeah. 
And I was right back at the seventh grade lunch table, and I was like, all right, fight's on now. You don't even know who you're dealing with. I'm taking you out. I have no choice because you don't, I have served you your whole life. How on earth can you not like me? I am the most likable person in your world. So you like me or else, you know, and I could feel the Holy Spirit pricking my heart in response. Like before I got too carried away with my taking my daughter out, I, I think it would have been justifiable homicide, but whatever, whatever. Um, I felt the Holy Spirit prick my heart and, and I felt him say, and, and you'll just have to go with me with this conversation I had with God. It was like, do you do all that for her or for me? And, well, both, Lord. I mean, I, I do it for you, you know, to glorify you and enjoy you forever. That's what I'm supposed to do as a Christian. But I do it for her, too. And, and it was like God said, well, are you serving me or her? What, you, God? Then if you do those things, the carpools, the sleepless nights, the sacrifices for me, do you think I'm blind to them? Do you think God doesn't see? And I was like, no, I know you. Sh- I know God sees. But doggone it, shouldn't she appreciate me anyway? <laughs> you know, it's not enough that, she see, that, that God sees some days. I want her to appreciate me too. And, and then I felt like God said, did you do them so you would be appreciated? No. Did you do them so that she would owe you? No, I don't want her to owe me. Really? Because you know, God knows your heart, right? Okay, maybe a little bit. I want her to owe me a little bit. Um, And then it's just like the Holy Spirit said, do you have any idea what I've done for you? And I respond back, well, sure. You died on the cross for my sins. I know the answers. I have the book. And that's all? No, that's not all. You made me. Everything I have comes from you. Everything I am is from you. Without you, I'd be nothing. You paid the price for my sins, rose from the grave. You perceived me with your love. You know, I take God for granted just as much as my team takes me for granted, right? And God says, and do you appreciate me? I'm like, yeah, sure. I appreciate you. I go to church. I spend time in your word. I serve. And God says, for me? And I say, yeah. And he says, do you think that's what I want? And I'm like, no, Lord, I don't think you just want me to go to church and check you off my list. I think you want me because you love me. And, and God says, I want you because I love you. And I love you unconditionally. But is your love unconditional? Is your love for your daughter unconditional? And I have to admit, I thought it was. I mean, every night when they were little, I would tuck them into bed. And one of the things I would always say to my little kids was, I love you from the beginning of forever to the end of all ways. I love you from the top of your head to the tip of your toe. You know, all these things that I would say when they were little. And I thought that I loved them unconditionally. But loving teens is hard. They're selfish and immature and unappreciative. And they don't deserve my love. And then God said, isn't that how you were when I first loved you? 
And I was like, I kind of think I'm better than that. <laughs> I mean, and, and as the conviction of the Holy Spirit came on me, I had to admit, I was probably way more unlovable than my teen is when God loved me out of it. And unconditional means that it's not earned. It's undeserved. And when my kids were little, they were cute enough and they were sweet enough. And, you know, they'd crawl up in your lap and they'd say a sweet thing to you. And they just, they met the conditions of my, of my love. And even as they grew, I would enjoy them learning new things, new words. All of that was so exciting. But teenagers test our love, don't they? And they, and I found that, that my love leaks it runs out because it's, un- it's conditional, and I love them when they do what I want, when they appreciate me, when they live up to my expe- expectations. But God commands me to love my teens like he loves me. It's not okay for me to use my love as some sort of reward or jumping through the hoops I construct. When they are emotional or demanding, it's easy for me to withdraw my love. And they know it. Unlike my toddlers, when I sin against my teenagers, they are rarely unaware. My teens see my sin up close. I'm all exposed, and even though I might make excuses, they are not fooled. And that's the hardest part, isn't it, of having teenagers? It's like living under a microscope. They're looking at you, and they're saying, do you really live what you believe? You talk about Christianity and unconditional love, but are you living that way? And I hate that part because I'm revealed as a sinner. Teenagers are the grad school of parenting. In other stages, you may be able to fake your faith, but not in the teen years. If my love is conditional, they know. If I care more about what I want and treat others as obstacles in my way, they take notes. If I lie or disrespect authority or am outright defiant, all the rest of the truth that I spout is suspect. Living with teens is impossible, and I'll be honest, I can't live my faith perfectly or even well in my own strength. I need help. Um, I want you guys to come to Parent You and remember that you're not alone. This is a hard road, um, but Jesus promises to walk it with us. And I'm thankful for community. You know, other believers who will point me towards the truth when I forget, because it's easy to forget. Um, I want Jesus' love to flow through me to my teens. I think that it's hard to be a teen. And I think they need some place in the world to come and know that they are loved where God's love has skin and they can always get a hug, not because they do what they, not because of what they do or don't do, but because they are a beloved child of a parent who loves them no matter what. I didn't grow up with that kind of love. I grew up with the really conditional kind. And so I still am trying to get my mind around this idea of unconditional love. And I'm 46 and I feel like God is continually showing me his unconditional love. And I think that's part of the reason that he has given me so many teenagers in my house is because he gives me the opportunity to practice that unconditional love that doesn't come natural. And as I do, I see his love for me greater. And that's a good thing.
ultimately. So I just want to pray. Um, this is our last parent you, and I want to do prayer around your tables again. Um, but let me pray for us, and then I have an announcement. Dear Lord, I just come before you, and I just confess that my heart is two sizes too small, and I need you. I need you to grow my heart. I need you to love my, stu- my children and my neighbors and my family and all of the people that you've put in my life with the same unconditional love that you've shown me. And I need you to do it through me because I can't do it in my own strength. And I pray for the parents here. I pray that they would know your unconditional love in a tangible way, that they would look at their life and they would see you reaching down out of heaven and loving them no matter what. And I just pray that that love would flow through them to their children as well. And I pray that that love would be transformative for our children, Lord, that they would come to know you as Lord and Savior because you have loved them so well that you would give them eyes to see that unconditional love and that that would transform their desire for you. And so I pray for our time together, the rest of our time together today, and I pray that you would be glorified in our homes. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, I do want to give you guys time to pray as groups, and um, I wanted to tell you all that there is a podcast for Parent You. It is really hard to find, <laughs> and that is because partly because we don't have reviews of it. So if you want to review it, that would be great. That would help increase it in the search engine on Apple. But if you're looking for the podcast, it's Parent University Watershed is how you search for it. Or you can go to the the Perimeter website and go to Student Families, and you can find it that way. Um, but I usually go straight to the podcast on my Apple phone because that's how I find everything. And the way you search for that is Parent you watershed. It's Parent University, yes. Parent, I'm sorry, yes, it should say Parent University Watershed. Sorry. Communication breakdown there. So, and you can tell your friends or share it. The, this podcast, the four podcasts that are, that we've done this fall have not posted yet. It, the la- most recent one is from February, but we've got like since ni- since <laughs> since nineteen no two, since two thousand eleven there are podcasts that have been on for Parent You, and so we go through a lot of different stuff. Um, so there's that, and just wanted to share that with you, or if you know people that would benefit from the information in Parent You, that you could share that as well. And I think the next time we're going to do Parent You is going to be in the spring. It will be announced through the watershed parent email and the. J high parent email and in the bulletin and all those fun things, right? Okay, is there anything else that I've forgotten? No? Okay. So I want y'all to just take a few minutes and pray around your table and just pray, Lord, pray for each other to have that picture of unconditional love in their homes.